1: Hey Seattle, hey Puget Sound, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, Advanced Smollier, your weekend wine guy and uh, aspiring sake master soon. Someday I'll be there. Got a great show. It's the middle of November, and uh, it's time for warm things and celebratory things. And I've got uh, two great guests today, and plus something very special, very Northwest. Uh, I've got Christopher Grumbeck, who is the uh, proprietor, founder of a very, very cool uh, little bar down in Fremont. And um, it's a charming little place. It's called The Barrel Thief. Uh, I really like it. It's almost like welcoming uh, someone into their home, because it's got uh, just this warm uh, wood tones and uh, some chandeliers, and it's it's uh, it's quirky, but it's it's very comfortable with cushions and plants, and uh, we're going to talk about whiskey and how Christopher Grombeck got started at the Barrel Thief, and then I've got uh, one of my favorite sparkling wines in all the world. Um, it's a, from a place that nobody actually thinks about <laughs> when you think about wine. It's called Gruet, and Gruet sparkling wines are uh, well some of the most fabulous American sparkling wines you can find anywhere, and such a great value. Our friends from Precept uh, now have that brand, And uh, I've got a lovely young lady and uh, an oyster man here today. And we're going to chat about uh, that perfect pairing. But right now, um, it's time to welcome Christopher Grombeck. Hey,
2: nice to be
1: here. Hey, good to have you here, buddy. So, um... You from Washington or where are you from?
2: I'm not from Washington. Uh actually grew up in the Midwest. So I was born in Ann Arbor and grew up in Iowa City, Iowa. Okay. Uh, ended up going to school in California, stint in Washington D.C. I've lived in Seattle for 18 years.
1: All right. We we're, so, we're going to call you pretty local then cuz you have seen, <laughs> you know, you've been through almost you've been through two depressions now. Certainly have. Yeah. Well, um, tell us how you got into wine, spirits and cocktails and
2: I got into wine pretty casually, just uh, was a wine drinker, ended up having some friends who uh, had access to some really nice wines and discovered that it was more than just some, some grape juice in a glass and something worth paying attention to. So ended up doing just a little bit of wine media work, ended up getting the opportunity to start judging at some wine events, helping some retail wine shops. And after 20 years in the solar energy field, decided I was ready for just a little bit of a sabbatical. Um, I love the Fremont neighborhood. I've lived in and around there for 17 years and just thought I wanted to do something with a community presence. So I decided to open up a wine bar, uh, opened the wine bar called Wine Tea Chocolate about three years ago.
1: Wine Tea Chocolate? Wine Tea Chocolate. That sounds like a Queen Anne place.
2: Yeah. It could have been. It could have, maybe it should have been up the hill. Um, <laughs> but after about eight months, I uh, decided I really needed to bring spirits on, um, always been a whiskey fan, especially scotch and bourbon, just started to broaden my horizons on spirits, which is going to be my theme today, Excellent. and decided to open up The Barrel Thief, so I just changed the wine bar into a wine and whiskey bar.
1: Oh, so you were yeah. still there. That was your, your primary location. That was
2: my primary location. And
1: the address is?
2: It's, uh, it's, in, it's in Fremont, across from the Rocket. The so Rocket, it's, yeah, it's the big 34 Rocket. 3417 Evanston Avenue North, uh, near the Red Door, near 9 million, near all of our little uh, favorite neighborhood Oh, yeah, neighbor, neighborhood close bars. in Fremont it it anyway. What's this, your it's, website? It's, the website is com for Barrel Thief. Bthief. thief B is in barrel. Excellent, you got, got it. it.
1: Well, you know, let's, let's go back a little bit. You talked about uh, getting into wine competitions and judging and, and wine media. Was that in Washington or that in was California?
2: That was all here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the local wine here is is just amazing. Um, I mean, we have a vibrant local industry, but Seattle has a great urban winery scene. Um, there are incredible wine events, a lot of them put on by uh, Seattle Uncorked, friends of ours. Um, <laughs> you know, you can go to events that are just rosé, that are just cabernet, that are just really representative of the thousand wineries we have in the state.
1: And just real fun. Super-duper fun. Super-duper It's, it's, fun. it's just
2: amazing what's happened in pretty much one generation of wine in the state.
1: All right. Well, speaking yeah. of wine, you have a whole—you've got— one of the largest wines by the glass programs, I think, in uh, well in Washington, maybe the West Coast. How many wines by the glass do you offer?
2: Uh, right now, we have 170. <laughs> 170 by the glass. That, 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 so that came about. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, hopefully you can find something out of that. Um, that came about by looking at a wine bar, not just as a proprietor, but as a customer. You know, when I walk into a wine bar and they have eight wines by the glass and 500 bottles on their list, I really wanted a glass of wine, and I hate being restricted to eight wines. And you get bored of those. So I thought, what can you do to flip that around and let someone go into a bar and try anything there by the glass? You took
1: the, uh, <laughs> the regular wine bar menu to the fourth power, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> 170 wines by the glass. And those range from, I mean, give us an example of, of something that, it sounds a little intimidating, to be honest. 170 right. wines. Oh my goodness! They're right. going to be really expensive and really esoteric. But you know, you've got some some wines that people enjoy on a regular basis, kind of thing. Like, hey, come on in for this. It's quality wine. But what's some of the high end stuff that you've got that Like you, no one else is pouring.
2: Yeah, the fun stuff. Um, the nice thing is we use the the Coravin wine access system, which basically lets us get the wine out of the bottle without taking out the cork. So. It's, so it remains it's fresh. It's magic. It yeah. remains fresh. We're not, the wine does not get oxidized. So that means we can have some old Bordeaux, some old Burgundy, some crazy wines that are really obscure that take a long time to sell, and we can pour a glass of them and the rest of the bottle stays fresh. And mm-hmm. so, without a technology like the Corvin, you just can't do that. You'd open a bottle, pour a glass, and four days later, you'd pour out the rest of the bottle. So we have, um, you know, a lot of fifteen-year-old Bordeaux. We have some really crazy fun wines from the Loire and from Burgundy. We have some great old Rioja. We have Barolo and what's the Brunello. most expensive
1: one by the glass you've got there?
2: I think we have a uh, Chateau Rauzan Segla from two thousand
1: Rauzan Segla from Margot.
2: Yeah, so that's probably two thousand six. I think it's a 2000. 2000, not wow. Not a bad vintage.
1: The first vintage of the century. I think well, here we have a fourth vintage coming up from Bordeaux in 2015. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, this, it, it promises to be a good one this year.
1: Awesome. So. Well, um, your specialty really is uh, is whiskey as well as wine, of course, but you've brought four beautifully brown spirits here today, so let's dig into uh, uh, some of your passion here. What did you bring for me? This is one called Dark Northern Rye Whiskey, straight rye whiskey. So it has to be 51% uh, rye, minimum mash bill, and right. it's straight means it's aged in barrel for one year or two? So
2: the the federal law dictates that to be called straight whiskey, it has to be at least two years in barrel. But to be labeled straight whiskey without an age statement, it actually has to be four years. So if this were only two, the label would have to say age less than four years. Interesting. So because this one doesn't, it implies that it's a minimum of a four-year-old whiskey.
1: All right. Where is Dark Northern from?
2: So Dark Northern is actually a strain of rye that was brought to the Northwest by Scandinavian settlers in the 1800s, and this uh, rye is actually sourced from the Skagit Valley. In this state and the Willamette Valley in Oregon. This is distilled by Fremont Mischief Distillery, yeah. two blocks down the street from us.
1: Very cool. I yeah. think the packaging is actually beautiful. This is someone who's very, very, did their research, was very thoughtful yeah. in the uh, proposition here. And uh, this says the distiller is Mike Sherlock.
2: Yeah, Mike, Mike's a good friend, a real good friend of the Barrel Thief. Again, they're about a 1,000 feet away from us. We love working <laughs> with the local folks. So <laughs> you you don't can crawl. Yeah, we, we are so blessed to have such an amazing wine and spirits industry just not only in our state, but just in our city.
1: All right. Well, so. this is, has 80 proof. Now, tell me what the flavors I'm going to expect in this uh, Mischief Distillery, Dark Northern Rye.
2: Well, this is a... I, I brought this... Well, first of all, the the big spirits categories in whiskey right now are bourbon and scotch. So I thought I'd challenge us and bring everything but bourbon and scotch. So I brought you, first of all, a rye, which is not exactly obscure. But I brought this because I think it's it's really representative of where the local spirits industry has gone. Yeah. It's a, it's a new industry, and it took them a few years, but they're finally making Quality. really nice... Clean- Quality, this is a very yeah. classic rye.
1: It is. This is really delicious. I mean, of all the ryes that are out there, a lot of them tend to have a little too much oak. Absolutely. Um, and this is just well balanced with uh, the vanilla tone, the tones, the lactones, but the the spiciness of the rye comes through. What's the mash peel here? Is it? It's got to be more than fifty one percent.
2: It probably is. I mean, typical with these ryes, they're going to put in uh, sixty to seventy percent rye. Then they're going to, um, you know, they're going to have some barley in there for sure, which helps with the fermentation. So it's probably sixty to seventy percent, but they don't disclose it.
1: Yeah, and there's a. Uh, um, there's complexity but there's also a fresh youthful finish i think it, it kind of finishes on the youthful edge versus um, brooding and com- real complex but it, the spiciness adds a great palate um, yeah.
2: super ni- it's super nice and it's going to it's a great cocktail rye especially cuz they're about to release it again at 91 91- proof, and the nice thing about rye in a Manhattan or an old-fashioned is it really bounces out the sweetness even better than bourbon. Yeah. I mean, rye is the classic whiskey that went into those classic cocktails, right. and the dryness of the rye, the spiciness, the edginess of the rye balances out the vermouth or the sugar that's in your drink a lot better than bourbon, so we love using, using rye in the whiskey cocktails.
1: I love it too, because uh, sometimes the bourbon's and the, the, the recent fattest is to put more and more and more and more oak on yeah. it, um, which is not always my... F- uh, palette pleasing. Um, speaking with Christopher Grombeck, the uh, proprietor of Barrel Thief down in Fremont, and it's bthief.com. Uh, what are your hours down there?
2: Uh, we're open at 4 o'clock most days during the week. We open a little earlier on at 4 Fridays. At oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> four, 4 o'clock until 11 or 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock on the weekends, and then we're open on the weekends starting at noon. Awesome. All
1: right, next whiskey up is called Corsair Quinoa Whiskey, and quinoa, for those of you is an ancient grain, an az- ancient Aztec grain, um, it's got great fiber, a little bit of protein. It's quite good uh, for those of you who are wheat intolerant like me. Uh, That's why I love this idea. So tell me about Corsair Distillery.
2: Corsair, uh, pretty young. I don't know how old they are, probably five, six, seven years. Um, I'm sorry if they're a little older than that, but uh, just came onto the scene recently winning some awards, and we like them because they are experimenters. They're innovators. They are fearless. And you can see anyone marketing a whiskey as quinoa whiskey has to be pretty fearless. So this is Actually a combination of malted barley and red and white South American quinoa um,
1: this is really an amazing spirit yeah uh, it's it's voluptuous it's uh, complex there's spice there 's a little nuttiness on this Absolutely. Very, nutty. Yeah, very nutty very and, nutty and um, it's so pleasing from start to finish. Yeah. This is my new favorite because I think you get the the just enough oak tones on the vanilla and toffee in there, um, but the complexity of, of the quinoa just that nuttiness you don 't find nutty. I find nutty in some Irish whiskeys, I don't always find it in in, in American whiskeys. It's
2: it's usually, so part of that nuttiness is coming from the quinoa, part's coming from the malted barley, and when you get a nuttiness in an Irish whiskey or a scotch, you know, that's coming from the malt. But it's just, this is the kind of whiskey that no one picks off the menu because they're scared. And one of our jobs at the Barrel Thief is to really get people out of their comfort zone and say, well, if you like these flavor profiles, I have something you need to try.
1: Well, I got to say that the label is a little intimidating because it comes out—it's black and white, which right. you know, it's either or. Yeah, it, it kind
2: of looks like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It actually.
1: does <laughs> actually it looks like Quentin on the label. Um, What's a bottle like that run at? Uh, What's a dram run at your place?
2: Um, they're usually ten or twelve dollars for most of the corsairs. Sweet. It's it's very small production. It's fun. Uh, they're just getting into making brandies, and we just appreciate any distillery that wants to kind of do something different and kind of give people a new thing to experience. That's uh, it's
1: really a beautiful spirit. I love it. And the next is uh. Um one of the premier that w- I would say it's the top distillery in Washington, only because they've identified their style and they've been consistent, and it's so true to uh, their mission. It's called Westland Peated American Single Malt Whiskey, and this, is, of course, is down in Soto mm-hmm. off of First Avenue, um, a huge building, and they're doing great things there.
2: They're doing fantastic things. I mean, these guys are the rising star in the Washington distillery scene. There's some amazing distilleries in the state and in this city, and they're just they're one of them. They got in at the right time. They're just laser-focused on single malt whiskey. They are the biggest distillery in the western United States. Oh, really? They're the biggest single malt distillery western, in the country. Western, meaning past the
1: Missouri River? This side of the Mississippi. Mississippi River. Yeah, side.
2: and I mean, they, they, have, uh, they have an amazing whiskey, they have an amazing focus, they have an mm. amazing product, and it is going to be one of the things that takes Washington Spirits to the next level as a state.
1: Yeah, this is, um, you know, with all due respect to our other Washington wineries, this is the Leonetti Woodward Canyon, Colcedar Creek of the uh, Distillery World for Washington. Yeah. And it's pleased, I mean, this is going to be winning lots of accolades. Um, so well balanced, so well textured, and uh, flavorful. Um, of course, you get the moderate complexity here. And but that peat is the, the just peat is, enough. The peat's
2: really neat, just, just enough. So that, this is made out of 49% peated Scottish barley, 51% Washington barley. Uh. So it's it's an amazing fusion, which is uh, just does wonderful things. And just a quick note, in three years, they'll be releasing their own Washington peated barley barley from Skagit Valley Peat, the first commercial domestic peated whiskey. There's some bogs up there, huh? There's some bogs, and, and they own them.
1: <laughs> uh, so fun. Well, we've tried, uh, here with Christopher Grombeck, the proprietor of Barrel Thief down in Fremont, bthief.com, uh, 170 glass pours of wine, and how many whiskeys you got?
2: About 250 whiskeys.
1: Ah, 250. So you are the whiskey, uh, the center of the, of the known universe, as Fremont is, right? The it center certainly universe? certainly is. Well, we got the Dark Northern Rye, we've got the Corsair Quinoa. We got the Westland peated. And when we come back from this break, we're going to try um, a very exotic whiskey. It actually comes from India. Uh, And I'm excited. It's called Amrut. So stick around, folks. So when we come back from this break, I got Christopher Grombeck with Barrel Thief. And also coming up, uh, the lovely folks from Gruet Sparkling Wines and some tasty oysters. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
3: This is Ethan Stoll of Ethan Stoll Restaurants. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on
2: 570 KVI.
0: Only one station has Sean Hannity. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan.
1: All right, happy November and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. It's time for round two, so I hope you got something great in your glass. So I got uh, two great guests, three great guests now, actually. I got Christopher Gronbeck, who's the proprietor of uh, Barrel Thief down in Fremont, 170 glass pourers and 250 different whiskeys, which is super cool. Also, uh, the lovely lady from the brand ambassador of Gruet Sparkling Wines, uh, Lindsay Nelson, is here and representing that beautiful uh, New Mexico Sparkling. I know you don't believe me, you got to try it. And then uh, it's uh, so fun to have John Rowley, um, one of the marketing guys from Taylor's Shellfish, and we've got some great oysters coming. Before we get to oysters, i got to finish with my whiskey. So, Christopher, you've got uh, Amroot Fusion single malt whiskey from India?
2: It is from India. So, Amroot is the biggest single malt producer in India. India uh, consumes a lot of spirits, but it's mostly rum. It's mostly distilled molasses. And Amrut kind of came onto the scene a few years ago, won a lot of awards, and I think you can see why. They make some amazing single malt whiskeys in a very different climate from Scotland. And I picked this one because it's very similar in terms of how they make it to the Westland peated whiskey we just tried. So Westland's half Washington barley, half Scottish barley. This is the Amrut Fusion. It's half Indian barley, half Scottish barley. (laughs) Which
1: half is which?
2: I know. You can guess where the peat comes from.
1: Uh, Yes, I guess. Wow, What a beautifully balanced and delicate, expressive spirit. It, there, there, when you said molasses and rum, and I am a big rum fan, so I, I definitely partake in that. Uh, this had a sweetness that reminded me of a real core part of the burnt sugar note, but the peat comes in afterwards. Absolutely. Um, the glycerol feel, the mouthfeel is, is is fantastic. It's it's lush and it's warming, but it's not overpowering. Sometimes for those who are afraid of single malt scotch, you typically get a glass of Lafroiga. It's like, oh, God. You know, I mean, you need to be wait, you need to wait and get old and salty to really appreciate right. that. Uh, but Amrit, um, and how is this their only expression of whiskey?
2: No, they do a number of single malts, um, ranging from pure Indian barley to scum that, some that some of them are made with pure peated Scottish barley. Everything along the spectrum. This one is about hundred proof. And the cool thing about Indian whiskey is because of the climate, uh, the evaporation is ten to twelve percent per year as opposed oh. to 2 to 3% in Scotland. So it rapidly gets that very concentrated, dense flavor.
1: Yeah, that... Well, I hope that doesn't uh, really impress upon the price point, does it?
2: No, not at all. This stuff is is very affordable. It's it's fantastic. It's just neat that, I mean, when you think of single malt, you think of scotch, but now with Japanese whiskey, Indian whiskey, French, English, Tasmanian, now American single malt whiskey, it's just really neat to see that grain being expressed in different ways around the globe.
1: Husky the water of life. Um, That's it. And uh, Amrut, um, how many rupees would this be?
2: You know, I I, I couldn't (laughs) tell you that, but uh, it's a fantastic company. Amrut means nectar of the gods. Nectar of the gods. And I think that the people who have been trying this whiskey are finally saying that, yeah, there's a little bit of nectar to this.
1: Ah, it's delicious. Well, uh, Christopher Grombeck, uh, proprietor of Barrel Thief down in Fremont. It's bthief.com. You're open four to about midnight most days. And uh, you've got 250 whiskeys, and you brought four of them. Especially for me, fantastic, delicious selection. Thanks so much. I want you to stick around, because I want your opinion on some of these beautiful grouet. And I'm going to go. I'm going to uh, bias your opinion right now, these beautiful, groovy sparklings. That'd be fantastic. Well, Lindsay Nelson... the uh, brand ambassador for Gruet Sparkling Wines from New Mexico. Welcome to Happy Hour.
4: Thank you for having me here.
1: Uh, so excited. So um, one of the little secrets we have as sommiers is like, you know, we like to find the best value, as everybody does. And so drinking trophy names of, of Champagne, hey, I will never turn down Krug or Dom Perignon or Cristal or etc. But it's hard to afford that and just to have a good time on a regular basis. And uh, I'm glad that the Gruet Sparkling Wines have all the provenance of France and uh, a, an amazing area of terroir and viticulture that uh, a Frenchman is producing. So give us a little history on Gruet.
4: Yeah, so in the early 1980s, um, Frenchman Gilbert Gruet decided to pick up and move his family um, from the Champagne region, a little town called Bataan, and move them over to New Mexico. He had found some beautiful soil, he found some viticulturists who convinced him to bring his family and build a vineyard. So he brought all of his champagne method um, style making, of making wine over to New Mexico with his family, um, planted vineyards, and in 1989, they released our, their first wine, the um, Brut, and everything is still um, still made in that champagne style, as uh, Gilbert learned in, uh, in Champagne, France.
1: And Jubel worked at a very special champagne house, right?
4: Yes, he did. So he actually learned from a good friend how to make um, how to make champagne, and from there he built. Uh, he built a house, a champagne house for himself called um, Gilbert de Fee. I I don't speak French, so it's not perfectly like coming tongue and, There and sons, yes, it <laughs> exactly. Or
1: maybe daughter, fee or fees, fees. Uh, I believe. Fees the, the
4: sons, sons, okay. yes. Um, and then he also um, was a part of a co-op, uh, Paul Laurent as well. And so he was working, doing two champagne houses in um, in France before moving over to New
1: Mexico. And he started at uh, Krug. Is that correct? Is the cellar master? Yeah.
4: He did. He yes. did.
1: It's um what that That is all the provenance you need to start, you figure that out, you can go your own way. Of course, there is a particular style, which some people enjoy and some people find perhaps uh, a little too uh, round or oxidative, but um, I love the complexity. I love the acidity of uh, sparkling wines that come from the old world, but this sparkling wine from New Mexico, in Mm -hmm. fact, we can almost say, Christopher, that New Mexico was old world. (laughs) I think it is. (laughs) Certainly old west. (laughs) Old west. Um, So the first one we have is the Brut, and we talk about Brut. Brut. roots can be a blend of different grapes typically they are because otherwise it's a blanc de noir or a blanc de blanc meaning full pinot noir um i guess it could be munier Blanc de Noir can be Meunier, which is uh, Pinot Meunier, a red grape, but they call it Meunier now, and then uh, Blanc de Noir, of course, Chardonnay. So Brut is a classification of uh, considered a residual sugar, the dosage they, they add to the uh, finished product uh, once they disgorge it, and uh, it helps keep it uh, balanced with a little sweetness, a little sugar, but that's 0 to 9, 1. 12 2. grams, yeah, 0 to 12, or 6 to 12 grams, because Brut Yeah, it varies, but there's different styles. And all the styles that really come from, uh, uh, I should say, all the sweetness levels come from house styles Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, uh Veuve Clicquot will be a certain style. But Gruet has figured out their style. They've been doing this for how long?
4: Um, 26 years now. 20, yeah. I yes. figure you got it you <laughs> dialed
1: in there. Yes. Okay, so the first one is Brut. Um, let's talk about this sparkling wine.
4: Yeah, so uh, Laurent Gruet, who is Gilbert's son, he's been the winemaker in New Mexico. He learned from his father, has been the winemaker since day one. And their Brut style is three parts Chardonnay, one part Pinot Noir. Uh, it lays on tourage, so it ages on the, uh, on the yeast, on the leaves for a minimum of 18 months before it's released, and it has 1% dosage, 1% residual sugar.
1: Okay. Um, Delicious, nice balance. Christopher, what do you like this for?
2: Super good. Uh, What I like this for is that I think you could have it with food. It has a lot of body to it. The thing I like about it is it actually tastes like grapes. I mean, you can kind of (laughs) taste the grapes it came from, so the way they must have had the skins and stuff involved in the process did a fantastic job.
1: Uh, I like the fact that it's, it's got some roundness on the palate, too. It's sort of it's fleshy on the palate. Uh, the acid is nice and bright, but it's not champagne bright, which is great, because sometimes drinking champagne is a very bright experience. And I know we have a very special wine uh, coming up in a little bit, uh, but the Brut. So what I love about Gruet is it's actually quality wine in the product, in the bottle, and these bottles are so affordable. I can't believe it. These cost um, under 20 bucks.
4: Oh, yeah, exactly. The Brut goes for about $17. You'll find it in grocery stores. And
1: uh, that's just a little above most cavas, and uh, this Mm -hmm. has much more weight and uh, elegance than cava. Um, I love it. So that's called the... uh, And these are all multi-vintage wines, meaning there's no single vintage of the grapes.
4: Correct. There's no single vintage. Um, Typically, we will pull from um, the majority from just one single vintage, but they're all non-vintage.
1: Awesome. Well, let's talk about the uh, Blanc de Noir. Blanc de Noir means it's made from uh, the white white wine from uh, red grapes.
4: Yeah, so our Blanc de Noir is uh, kind of the sister skew to the brute. It is um, the opposite grape varietals. So it's three parts Pinot Noir and one part Chardonnay. Um, And this wine is made in the exact same style as the Brut. So it's uh, aged entourage for about 18 months and receives a little bit of dosage on the very end and for 1% um, residual sugar.
1: This seems to be a sexy wine to me.
4: It's very sexy. It is very sexy. (laughs) I think
1: this has got elegance and it's just so... Well, that's elegant. It's uh, it's got some sophistication and some panache. Exactly, It's um, polished. polish, luxury. but um, Christopher, I really, do you really think?
2: Le- love the mouthfeel on this one. You know, it just it lets you know you've got wine in your mouth. It doesn't just it's not a thin thing that just goes down. It's great, uh,
1: delicious. And this ranges um, about seventeen, eighteen bucks.
4: Yep, exactly. Same. Oh my god, same as the brut.
1: That's the winner. I got to take that down to uh, a tasting for some friends because this is a big hit. All right, last wine is a lovely pink color. I shouldn't say the last one, but uh, this Gruet is called Gruet rosé. Yes. Brut Rosé.
4: Brut Rosé. So our Brut Rosé is 100% Pinot Noir. Um, it is made uh, similar styles to the Brut and the Blanc de Noir. It's uh, aged for 18 months minimum on uh, entourage on the yeast. And um, part of the reason that it's such a beautiful color is that 2% of the Pinot Noir is still wine. That's added at the very end of the wine making mm-hmm. process. It's
1: classic Rosé production mm-hmm. in Champagne.
4: Yes, exactly. And it also really helps bring out the beautiful um, the beautiful notes on the nose, too. Um, I always feel like I'm stepping into uh, a strawberry field and kind of rolling around when I'm drinking this wine.
1: You got the Beatles playing in your head, too? A little bit, strawberry
4: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wow, I'm so impressed with these wines. I had them about last year, and it's been fantastic. Uh,
2: the Brut Ose is absolutely beautiful. Christopher? It's gorgeous. I mean, you can't see it on the radio, but the color is just splendid. You can't smell it on the radio. It just has it has floral. It has strawberries. It's like you've stepped into a meadow in springtime.
1: We need scratch-and-sniff yeah. radio
2: coming up. That'll be next on <laughs> Happy Hour Radio.
1: Uh, well, Lindsay Nelson, I want you to stick around, because we've got John Raleigh with Taylor's Shellfish, and we're going to dive into a very, very special wine produced by Gruet, which is uh, just newly released, I believe, um, Chris Grombeck, I want you to stick around because we're going to try some of these oysters with uh, the famous Taylor Shellfish family. So, uh, John Raleigh, hey, if you have ever a question, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you're out in the Twitter sphere, check it out; it's uh, at happyhrradio. So, stick around. We're doing oysters and sparkling. When we come back on Happy Hour Radio.
2: Hi, I'm Jeff Cox with PCC Natural Markets. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. The Commute with
0: Carlson, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI One to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle, right, Puget Sound, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. It's time for round three, and uh, I guess it should be round seven or eight for me so far. We've had four fantastic whiskeys from my pal Christopher Grombeck, uh, proprietor of The Barrel Thief down in Fremont, uh, 170 wines by the glass, and uh, 250 different whiskeys, so you've got to check it out. They're open four to midnight uh, most days. Bee Thief. Dot com. And also enjoying such lovely sparkling wines as we, we are into the holiday season and entertaining and parties. It's time to get some uh, bubbles in those glasses. And of course, the champagne flute always looks so sexy and fun. But really, if you want to enjoy these bubbles properly and get the most out of the experience, put them in a, um, a little larger glass, uh, with a more uh, narrow bowl. Um, that way you get some more of the more aromatics and then the, uh, the pleasure of the wine. The acid, the structure hits your palate differently. And glassware is another thing. We'll do that sometime. But I got Lindsay Nelson, the ambassador of Gruet uh, Sparkling Wines from New Mexico, and John Rowley uh, from Taylor's Shellfish. Uh, John, welcome to Happy Hour.
3: Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. This, this so um, let's uh, wrap this up with the Gruet and introduce our brand new wine. So we had the Gruet Brut, mm-hmm. the, uh, which was two parts Chardonnay. Th-
4: what, yep, three parts Chardonnay and one part Pinot Noir.
1: And then we have the Blanc de Noir.
4: Yes, three parts uh, Pinot Noir, one part Chardonnay.
1: And this fantastically beautiful Gruet Rosé. You got to bring that. I mean, that's the that's the go-to. I'm yes. I'm bringing to the party.
4: <laughs> yes, for sure. And that's 100% Pinot Noir.
1: Pinot Noir with a little even Pinot Noir added as a still wine. Two percent, yes. you said. Exactly. Uh, all under 20 bucks. And widely available, right? They've got some great production all around, and I think you can find these at most quality stores. Yes, you can. Love it. Well, uh, uh Gruet created a new wine, which fills a niche that he doesn't have in his current portfolio. So let's talk about uh, this wine called Sauvage. Sauvage is uh, French for uh, wild.
4: Exactly. All right.
1: So this is a Blanc de Blanc Sauvage, uh, multi-vintage. Tell us about this wine, Lindsay. Yeah. So
4: this wine, it is 100% Chardonnay. So it's a Blanc de Blanc style, just um, just as we stated it. And it is, just as the name, it is wild. It's raw. It's savage. It's acidic. And it makes you want to drink another glass of it. And it is a beautiful, um, beautiful style. And we actually we um, switched up the package a little bit too to make it match the raw and wild style of the wine.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a Monte Cru song. <laughs> I'm a wild style. Uh, so when it comes to uh, wines, a lot of these wines are called no dosage or zero uh, dosage in, in Champagne. And this is just the pure expression of the harvest of the grapes. Obviously, Blanc de Blanc, you said 100% Chardonnay, um, and that's always a great expression. I think the Blanc de Blancs of the champagne world definitely exude the most. Um, What is it, Christopher? Help me with that. What does Blanc de Blanc do for you?
2: Uh... I don't know. I just I like the pureness of it. Yeah, it's you know? <laughs> It's like, I'm, it I'm not trying to blend a bunch of stuff in together. It's like, this is it. This is what came out of the ground, yeah. and this is what's in your glass right now. This is me. I'm Sandra Dean. And this wine does that for me. This wine says to me, I'm a wine in your glass. I'm not something that's just passing through the night. It's like, exactly. I'm here right now with you. I love this wine.
1: It's all
4: about the finesse.
2: <laughs> all about the finesse. I love that. Uh, Grey Blanc, Blanc, Sebastian. Is this a different
1: price point, or is this uh, in the same realm?
4: It's a little bit higher. It's about $19, $20. Oh.
1: Still, wow, great. Okay. still great, still great, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, John Rowley, let's talk about oysters. Oysters are a Pacific Northwest staple here, and of course, around the world. We are so blessed to have, uh, you know, British Columbia, and Hood Canal, and uh, Willapa Bay, right uh, down in Oregon. So, um, tell us about Taylor Shellfish.
3: Taylor Shellfish has been around uh, in Puget Sound for about uh, uh, about 120 years. Oh, is that all? Fifth-generation oyster-growing family.
1: Love it. And uh, how many different varieties of oysters or species? It's a species, but they have varieties? or?
3: Yeah, species are the ones with the different Latin names, and varieties uh, are ones that have different market names depending on where they're grown.
1: All right, so today you brought um, one of the favorite uh, Japanese versions uh, called Kumamoto.
3: Kumamoto, and that's been... uh, it's an interesting story they're kind of uh, almost ex- commercially extinct in japan and and they're they're being the species is being kept going in a few hatcheries on the west coast
1: wow um i just tasted this kumamoto it's <laughs> it's plump it's firm it's delicious saline mm um, Sauvage. Sauvage, yeah, a little wildness. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of seaweed texture, a little nori note here. Um, I like it because my shell is dark, but it's stuck to a stone. So let's talk about the, the cycle of an oyster. Um, obviously, they're not making love, are they? Well, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated.
3: <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Oysters are an uh, interesting uh, creature. They can... Uh, they can be male or female, Oh. and, and they, they go back and forth depending on their really? desires. Really? They're yeah. the first, uh, <laughs> what is it,
1: LGBT or something? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I like that. There's a freedom of expression when it comes to oysters, right?
3: So they start out as uh, free-swimming larvae, and then they they'll they'll live like that for maybe 10 days, two weeks, and they have to... They have to set on something, uh, a hard surface, or they, or they don't. They mm. just they just die. The they larva. get
1: tired and they have to sit down for a while.
3: So they, uh, and then if, when they set on something, then they become uh, spat when they attach to. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's
1: still kind of a free, a larvae with a little. Uh, Cement block. <laughs> it's like the mafia. You're here.
3: Well, then it, it, once they set, then they become a little, little tiny oyster. You look at them under their microscope. And That's when they get a shell. Yeah, and you and you look at them under a microscope, and they're they're, they're microscopic, but you can see a perfect little oyster. In oh, perfect! I love it. And then they grow, and then when they get to about as big as your fingernail, they're called
1: seed. Seed. How come our oysters don't have pearls in them?
3: Uh, they sometimes do, but they're not gem quality pearls. They're kind of soft, you know. But it's exciting to find them. Yeah, it is fun, except when you're chewing on it. <laughs> what is that? Oh, my goodness. Another filling.
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, interesting about it, we talk about acidification of the ocean. We talk about some of the, uh, uh, what is it, the calcium, the, the carbonate oysters, the crustaceans are, are losing an ability to, c- to continue providing themselves with um, hard surface. Things are getting softer. Is that a case over there in the Hood Canal? And you're on Hood Canal, right?
3: Well, Taylor is. Uh, they have farms, uh, Willapa Hood Canal. Okay, a lot, a lot, a lot of farms down in the South Sound, up in British Columbia. Right,
1: it's big. And uh, certification. You finding that is, is there a, a change in the th- flavor of oysters recently, or is it sort of a vintage kind of thing? I mean, one year it's more salinity, one year it's more seaweed, or.
3: Well, as far as the acidification, uh, I don't know that there's uh, any anything uh, that affects the the flavor uh, per se. But where the problem is with acidification is that the the little spat can't mm-hmm. can't make shell right when the pH is too low. So, uh in the, in the all all the all the oysters on the west coast practically all the oysters on the west coast are now uh, get get their start in a hatchery
1: right to to make sure that they're strong and you get enough um pH the right pH the right uh, water I'm sure temperature you
3: get a crop if you re- if you rely on nature you know for spawning sometimes you're not going to get a crop and you can't run a business like that
1: <laughs> <laughs> such as the grape growers in the in uh, Washington and beyond is also say so John Raleigh is the uh, one of the marketing guys for Taylor Shellfish and you've got uh, um, farms from Oregon to B C does Oregon grow a specific variety and BC a different variety or are they all kind of you like to hedge your bets. <laughs>
3: Well, you, you th- what's grown in a certain location depends on the substrate, depends on the the food and the water, depends on uh, on muddy bottom. You can't grow you can't grow oysters on the bottom, so you have to you have to hang them, hang them one way or another. They do it in baskets, they do uh, in bags. They they they're working now on a floating bag system hmm. and er, er, different ways. It depends. E- each oyster has its own own requirements <laughs> for growing. And how many
1: varieties does uh Taylor Shellfish produce?
3: Taylor grows uh four different species. They grow the uh uh Pacific, the Kumamoto, um the Eastern oyster and the Olympia oyster. Eastern
1: native. being the Cook uh
3: Crassostrea virginica. Oh, the virginica, yeah. It's an oyster that's native to the east coast but we actually grew them here on the west coast back in uh, eighteen ninety, early nineteen. Those are more of a
1: flat shell, too, right? A little meaty.
3: Uh, they're they're meaty. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. What they're about Olympias? Oysters.
1: Olympias was the first native oyster introduced to, or, or actually, it's the only
3: native oyster. I'm sorry, yeah, the first,
1: <laughs> first and only. That's what it is. You do Olympias?
3: Yes. Right. And, and Taylor is uh, one of the few few companies that grows grows Olympia uh, oysters, and it's uh, it's one of the. World's choicest and rarest and delicacies. Yeah, and... Uh, and they're I'm very special.
1: I'm totally in the rare and delicate. Uh, love it. Well, John Raleigh, stick around. We're going to oh, actually pair this with the uh, Sauvage from uh, Gruet, which is their Blanc de Blanc no-dosage. And Christopher Grombeck, I want to get your opinion. I know you're not an oyster guy, but uh, you can sort of just pretend. <laughs> so stick around, folks. Uh, if you ever have a question, remember, it's ask at happyairadio.net. If you ever miss a show... Check us out online. It's happyhourradio.net. we got a whole archive of guests and pictures, and uh, it's a whole lot of fun. So stick around. We'll be right back for round four on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Hi, I'm Jeff Lindsay Thorson with WT Vintners and RN74, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. Only one station has Sean Hannity. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan.
1: All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. It's time for round four, and uh, that means we're coming to a close on this session uh, so great to have Christopher Grombeck, the proprietor of Barrel Thief, and uh, 250 whiskeys, you got to get down there, and Fremont, and of course, Lindsay Nelson, the brand ambassador for Gruet Sparkling Wines, and the pleasure of having really my, this is my first oyster uh, tasting, and John Rowley from Taylor's Shellfish. Uh, John, you, you have a couple locations now, and people can drop in and get oysters in Seattle
3: anytime, right? Yeah, Taylor has three oyster bars now in Seattle. Uh, there's uh, one up on uh, just close to Key Arena on Republican Street on Queen Anne. And there's uh, the first one was in uh, Melrose, down by the Melrose Market. Oh, yeah. And now there's one in uh, Pioneer Square on Occidental.
1: Well, it's interesting because we're talking about uh, different farms. You've got Oregon, uh, Puget Sound, and British Columbia. And off air, we were chatting about differences in. Uh, flavor texture etc but you had a great name for it in wine we call it terroir and in oysters you call it
3: Miroir.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> mirroir uh, You know it's interesting because they talk about BC actually you know not being very nice to the ocean up there the water up there by pushing stuff out a big tube kind of thing, but oh, that's Victoria, that, yeah, yeah, that's nowhere near year oyster farms, no. right? <laughs> <Okay>. No, no. <laughs> Sometimes we call it a little barnyard in wines. So I'd hate to have that barnyard in <laughs> Uh Well, speaking of Terroir, Lindsay, uh, the uh, Sauvage is a uh, Brut Zero, and no-dosage wine, and again, it's 100% Chardonnay. Is this a particular vineyard, or do they just, what do they do for this wine?
4: Yeah, so a lot of these grapes are actually grown in New Mexico. Um, we do have some grape partners in California, of course, up here in Washington, um, as well as in Oregon, where some of these grapes are also um, sourced from. Uh, but we make sure that the terroir is um, perfect for a very acidic grape. Um, and down in New Mexico, our vineyards are about 5,000 feet high, which is perfect for um, you know cold nights, hot days, and uh, lots of wind to make the grapes nice and sturdy and very Acidic.
1: Yes, um that's a bright wine. It's got some structure. Christopher, what do you think about the structure of this? I like Sauvage. the structure.
2: I mean that that's that's what gives it a lot of presence, a lot of mouthfeel. It's like I wouldn't say it's leathery, but it's it's on that spectrum, which it is amazing for a sparkling skin wine. Skin contact. Just, on just the amazing, finish,
1: right? Yeah. Mm. And John Raleigh, um I just had one of these beautiful Kumoto oysters from Taylor's Shellfish and I sw- finished it with a splash of this sauvage it's it's really a great harmony i'm a big fan of chablis and white burgundy and sparkling wines of course but this really works i think the brininess of that oyster just matches well with that green apple tartness of the wine
3: yeah i like i like to think of the 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 wine if you're having wine with oysters i like to think of the wine i don't use any condiments on the oysters cuz i like to think of the wine as the condiment you chew the oyster really well and then have a sip of the wine and it's a beautiful thing it's the a beautiful wine, If the thing. wine's right
1: yeah. <laughs> yes exactly no chardonnay for that um you know interesting when we get oysters everywhere there's there seems to be a, a little bottle of tabasco i think that comes from the louisiana where those oysters are just taste dirty
2: <laughs> you need to
1: add something to like you know give you some some flavor over that those river oysters man like wow that's that's real uh that's scarewar <laughs> uh so fun well, um, oysters, what's the life cycle? When's the best? I mean, I love it because we're in November, and uh, oysters, to me, are best in November. In fact, Elliot's uh, Oyster House had a big uh, uh, Oyster New Year uh, a couple weeks ago, and I used to go to that early on. It's coming
3: early. up. I think it's this next coming weekend, isn't it? Oh, yeah, almost. Um, Probably you media guys got a special one.
1: <laughs> yes, that's right. We got a special <laughs> one. But that's such a treat, because I used to wear my uh, Happy New Year hats. You know, we'd get up there, and we'd have a good a lot of fun but that's when the tickets were like 45 bucks (laughs) and so me and my college buddies were like let's just go down and pound oysters and pound wine uh, of course, in moderation, you know. That's how we do it. But um, what a treat. So uh, Christopher Grombeck with Barrel Thief down in Fremont. Thanks so much for these great whiskeys. 250 by the glass and 170 wines by the glass. Exotic, uh, erotic wines. What do you got?
2: We, we we got everything. Just the balance of global and local. I, just, I love what's going on in Washington State in terms of both wine and spirits. I love all the global traditions, and I like having them all together in one place.
1: Thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks for, thanks and, for having uh, me here. Lindsay, tell us where we can find these fantastic... Fantastic bubbles from of all places, New Mexico.
4: New Mexico. Yeah, you can find these at your local grocery store. So uh, QFC down the street, uh, Fred Meyer or Safeway. Um, really, just anywhere you anywhere you shop, you can find these for your everyday celebration.
1: Okay, just for fun, the pronunciation is Gruet or gruette. Gruet. Gruet. Yes, so now you go, grouet.
4: folks. <laughs> yes,
1: way, Gruet. And uh, thanks so much. These are fantastic wines. The Brut, the Blanc, the Blanc, excuse me, the Blanc de Noir, and uh, the Rosé, I love. And the Sauvage, perfect with oysters. John Rowley, uh, delicious pairing. Thanks so much. How do we get you in on a regular basis? <laughs> I want to see if we get oysters all the time. We can work that out. <laughs> uh, perfect. And uh, com. Learn yeah. about oysters? Yes. Awesome. Well, what a great show, folks. Uh, we've had whiskey and wine, uh, sparkling wine, tis the season for both. So um, when you have a chance, actually go get some oysters. That is so fun. And, and do a little bit of uh, Native American harvesting. You'll, you'll shuck your own. You'll have a good time at... Um, and pour beautiful wines. Uh, if you ever have a question, it's uh, ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you ever miss the show, it's happyhourradio.net. we got uh, 81 shows there up on the, on the system. And remember, folks, uh, life is always better with a designated driver. I'll see you next week.